What's up, everyone? I'm Sydney Goodman. I'm Kate Franklin. And welcome to another episode of Shut Up, Keep Going. Hey, yo. Uh, this is the podcast where we explore our internet curiosities and inevitably talk about a lot of other things. Um, Just a forewarning that that will happen. That will absolutely happen. If you were looking for us to stay on topic, then. Sorry. Sorry. You're shut in the up. wrong place. Shut, shut but up. Please but do please keep going. Keep going. Oh. Ooh. Ooh, Ooh, I like that. That's good. I was sitting so funny and my knee hurts. Anyways, should I start? Yeah, go. Okay, so my topic is where do baby eels come from? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Every single time you present a topic, I'm like, I would never have, like, (laughs) not that I wouldn't have thought of that, but it's just like, I would have never expected you to cover that. Well, so basically I have a note on my phone where I just like, where I just write questions that I have. Like, and yeah. we've talked about, I don't know that we've mentioned it in the podcast, maybe in passing, but we both have ADHD. Yeah. And so sometimes just like random shit pops up in my head and I just decided to start writing it down just because I, I don't know. Yeah. Why not? And so I was kind of wondering just like, where do baby eels come from? Like, do they do eels have penises? Like I don't know. Like what's happening here? Um, Wait, are eels fish? Come on, Kate, you're breaking down my. Sorry. I don't freaking know. <laughs> Let me look. So are sorry. eels fish? Don't worry, everyone. I'm so. I'm it's an elongated finned fish. Okay, and it belongs to the order Anguilliformes. Okay. Um. But electric eels are not eels. I actually knew that from my stuff. They are actually knife fish, I think. Electric. I'm going through my notes. Eels. Yeah, they're actually knife fish, not eels. So they're not of the same order. But, okay, so eels. Where do they come from? Uh, Danish researcher Johannes Schmidt checked things out and went to a place called Sargasso, um, Sargasso Sea, but no adult eels have ever actually been caught. Like no one's seen adult eels there, which is weird because that is where eels migrate to have babies. But oh. no one's ever seen an adult eel there. Wait, where is it again? Sargasso Sea. So it's a garden of seaweed that's bound by water currents. And it is in um, it's in the Western Atlantic near Bermuda. Wait, so do they... All of the ones all over the world go there? Not necessarily. So oh. he was, sorry, that's a good note. He was specifically looking at European and North American eels. Like and that's Eastern the place. American. I don't know because it says, I don't know. I mean, there might not really be, I don't know. I don't okay. have an answer to that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, it's <laughs> fine. It's just the, what I was reading just specifically called out North America. North America. I guess the reason I ask is because not to sound pretentious, but I have mentioned that I've read Moby Dick. <laughs> and like that book, like has, you kind of have to have a huge suspension of disbelief the entire time because they literally chase that whale across the entire ocean, like all of the oceans. And it's like, they're able to spot it. It's like the ocean is so big. <laughs> like, I don't know if that's real. But then apparently it's based on something real. But why I ask is like, I'm like, that's so far for whales to swim. Whales, but all they do is swim. There's literally nothing else to do. But think about how long it would take for us to walk across the continent. But we have jobs. (laughs) (laughs) You just said that like Napoleon died. Okay, sorry, I'll keep no, going with the eels. No, you're, you're good, you're good. So, Johannes Schmidt, uh, for seven years, traveled the coast of Europe, but only found larger larvae. And then he actually mapped the ocean according to which parts of it contained eel larvae, including North America, how large those larvae were, until the tiniest ones actually led them to their point of origin. This took him 19 years. Oh my God. Committed man. <laughs> He's like, where are these eels at? <laughs> I gotta find them, kid. <laughs> We clearly recorded this right after the transatlantic <laughs> episode. Anyways, it, after 19 years, he found the breeding ground of eels, which, like I said, is the Sargasso Sea. Um, it's a garden of seaweed that's bound by water currents. And the American eels breed there, too. But it's still a mystery how the larvae are all mixed together between American and European eels. But they are genetically distinct and they know which continent is their home because Whoa. eels migrate. 
and like they just don't freaking know. So like my basically I'm going to give you some answers and I'm going to give you a lot of people being like, but we don't we're not. I'm not sure. Who would have thought that the one of life's biggest mysteries <laughs> are eels. eels, right? But yeah, so the American eels also breed there. Super crazy that all the larvae are like, it's not like there's like an American side and then like the European ones go here. They're just mixed together. But yeah. somehow they're genetically distinct and they know which continent is their home, which would mean that American eels only breed with American eels and European ones only breed with European ones. Um, and then Japanese eels have their own breeding ground in the Pacific. Um, the electric eel of South America, like I said, is actually a knife Girl. fish. I read somewhere that they MGMT hates performing that song. And then I went back and watched performances of them and they definitely they're hate like, performing. Stop. That's literally, they look like they're like, oh, but it's such a good over. song. I don't it is feel really bad good. for you. I think it's like one of their best TBH. I think it's their best song. Can I say it? Besides Time to Pretend. I think Little Dark Age is their best song. I don't... Do I know that oh, one? It's a newer one. It's like oh. really dark and crispy and it makes me feel like I'm like... can Like I'm like walking through like a tunnel with a bunch of lights and that is just like... I'm like... Wait, what is it determined. called? Determined. Like I'm doing stuff. Little Dark Age. Okay. Oh, it's so good. It's good. It's really... Oh my gosh. It's so good. Um, anyways. So Schmidt and eels, his discovery was the answer that European eels come from the Sargasso Sea. So that was kind of like his big thing. And everyone's like, wow, that's amazing. But quote, the boundaries of this knowledge are fluid and strange and strange they are. So a lot of expeditions have followed Schmidt to the Sargasso Sea. So it might be Sargasso, Sargasso. I don't know. And they all have better tech as time has passed, right? Obviously, because if he was the first and people are doing it later, mm -hmm. tech is evolving. Um, and they collect a bunch of larvae, but in an expedition that collected and examined 7,000 fish eggs, none were actually from eels. Wait, what? So basically Schmidt like was like, oh, I followed the larvae and they led me to this place, to the, the Sargasso Sea. And then years later, you know, teams continue to like collect these and they're like, oh, it's larvae, amazing eels. And then I couldn't tell if they've never found eel eggs there or if it was just this particular like expedition they didn't. But more recently, a scientific team examined 7,000 fish eggs there and none of them were from eels, they're like, even oh though that's God. where the eels are supposedly that's like, like where they, they got this. us again seriously it's like, catch me if you can <laughs> i love that movie but i'm also like catch him just catch him i actually had not seen it until like last week wait really did you like it i loved it it's so good right it's so good it's so good it's one of my i feel like my parent my household growing up had just like some st household staples and that was one of them really yeah i'm surprised i haven't seen it like I think I had seen parts of it because it's always on like USA characters yeah. welcome. Um, but incredible movie. I mean, we give Leonardo a lot of props, but like he is so good in that movie and gives us so much. Really? Leonardo DiCaprio, it's tough because I feel like he's one of those actors that have been around for so long and is so good that you're almost like, there's no way this guy's that. Like he has to be, come on, he's kind of overrated, but he's right? So good. But then every time I watch a movie with him, I'm like, this he did man. it again he you keeps going again except i will say he was a hot young thing and old leo just doesn't hit as hard for me he looks like my dad <laughs> <laughs> like it's really like like my dad he him old looks like my dad as a younger man oh does that make sense because my dad is like older now yeah but i remember when i first saw shutter island which i think was his was leo's older like the start of his older Old phase Leo, yeah i was triggered the entire time because i was like this is my dad like he looks exactly like my dad and like so something weird. about his eyes i think because we're irish he's he irish I don't he's know. irish and italian DiCaprio? he's italian and irish i believe okay. i don't know anyways but i i still love him now i mean rick dalton is one of the best oh yeah oh, come on he's he is really great he kind of he has like a werewolf vibe to him I get his eyebrows. Is that what it is? There's now something I that's can't like even pointy. Imagine. <laughs> I feel like he's like scrunched, scrunched and point. There's something about his eyebrows that are like 
I when the moon comes, I am a wolf. Maybe it's his environmentalism. <laughs> Maybe that's why he cares about the environment so much. Is because he's like the land of my people. Can I say one thing? I didn't know wolverines were a real animal until three days ago. How did you find out? Because they they spotted a rare wolverine in Yellowstone, and I was like, "That's a thing." Like I didn't know that was an actual. I thought it was a, like you just a, thought it was X Men. Yeah, and I thought it was like a mystical creature. Oh. I guess they are because they're endangered. Oh, sad face. Okay. Okay. Oh, why did I say that? <laughs> oh. Okay. So, anyways, where we are in this story is that a guy named Schmidt really committed to eels, found out that they are having the larvae led him to the Sargasso Sea, but um, more technically advanced and more recent research or there was at least one case that they found and they examined a bunch of fish eggs and none of them were actually from eels. So people are confused. Okay. We're going to go off on like a side tangent that will be necessary understanding. Um, But eels have four stages and they actually undergo metamorphosis. Fun fact, like, you know how like caterpillar to butterfly. So eels do that. So four stages. The first is an embryo hatches into a larvae. The larvae then develops into a unique larvae called a leptocephalus. And this can actually live for over two years in this stage, which is like a long ass time. Oh my God. Um, and then once the leptocephalus has grown large enough, it then metamorphoses into a glass eel. Then. Wait, what? what is a glass eel? A glass eel. Glass eel. Sorry. I like did a poor job transferring my notes. Um, so a glass eel is like, (gasps) what? I saw a picture. It's cool. It looks like those, um, noodles that you get at a Korean restaurant. Mm -hmm. They look like, um, if you've gone, I feel like they totally have these at, um, like aquarium of the Pacific and it's just like, they're just little, and they're like not see-through, but kind of like silvery. But so then they turn into a glass eel. And then the yellow, brown, green eel called an elver, which is like found in ponds, et cetera, can move on dry land and hibernate in the mud. What? And they grow in the mud. But they're fish. How do they get water? They, I think it, they don't like hang out on dry land, but they like okay, move, can move wet. about it and then go into the mud, which has like, and they hibernate there. So they just like burrow in the mud. Wow. And this phase of the eel's life. So this... I'm, this is a quote from Norwalk River Watershed Association. It says this phase of the eel's life can last from five years for the males to about 20 for the females. How long do eels live for? I guess a long time. Oh my God. I actually don't know. What's the lifespan? Wait, so are they just hanging out in the mud that entire time? I guess. It says American eels usually live for at least five years, but some can reach 15 to 20. Wow. Eels are fascinating. I I love eels. Um, But yeah. And then from there, the final change is from yellow to black, is from the yellow to black bronze color. The eyes get bigger. And at this point, they are sexually mature. And so this is when their sexual organs come in. Their digestive tract actually degenerates. And they're now silver eels and arrive in the Sargasso Sea to breed. And it's believed that that's that at that point the mature eels then die after they bang yeah they're like this is my life's work (laughs) (laughs) this is my life's work (laughs) um but actually like we don't know how they mate like straight up no one knows so scientists have done a lot of things to try and see them mate god Um, why they're like i want to see that (laughs) i want that i want a visa Um, so they've tried putting GPS trackers on silver eels, beginning their migrations. They've tried to use hormones to bring females to heat, transported them to the breeding grounds, attached them to buoys and used their pheromones as bait, dropped microphones into the water, checked the stomachs of predators to see if the predators have eaten them. And no one has seen anguilla anguilla, which is the, the species in order, mate anywhere. No one has ever seen it think no one has ever That's seen insane. it or seen a mature eel living or dead in the Sargasso Sea <laughs> where they supposedly Kate. breed. And that is in the Bermuda Triangle. Dare Ooh. I bring up that idea? 
They know where that happened to that ghost ship. That's all I'm saying. That's where they fucked. <laughs> it was the eels. <laughs> <laughs> That's like their uh, their secret shed or whatever where they get it on. This is probably going to sound like a really ignorant thought experiment. Okay. But, uh, well, okay, I guess I'll ask, are eels endangered? Yes. Okay, I'm not going to ask. Well, now question. you have to say well, Okay, it. there's certain things where I'm like, why do we need to know that? Like, why can't we just let animals, like, have their sex in their creepy, secretive way? I'm, I'm not, I don't, it's probably not creepy. It's beautiful and full of love. Eel sex. <laughs> full of love. <laughs> but it's like, if they weren't endangered, I'd be like, why do you, like, need to track an eel for 19 years to figure out how they bang? But if they're endangered, it's like, I understand Well, I, I mean, I doubt they were endangered at that point, but I feel like, I don't know. I think that it's like, for me, it's less of like, oh, I need to know, but it's more the absence of knowledge that's interesting to me that it's like, think about how much we know. And, you know, we've talked on this podcast about just like the mysteries of the water yeah. and like the ocean and how little we actually know. And here's an eel. Like I'd, I'd argue 99% of people probably know and can visualize what an eel looks like. And like, we don't know how they reproduce. Oh, what's up? He's like, I must know. <laughs> but like, we just, we don't know. Oh my gosh. Wait, he is like the cutest cat. Look at how I cute know, he is. But just think about how much we know and just, it's an eel. We know what it is. It's not like it's some mystery creature. We have literally no idea how they reproduce, how they mate. We, we don't know. At all or just these t certain types of eels? The stuff that I was reading was only talking about European and oh, um, American. Because there was a fish tank at Rubio's, the <laughs> Mexican restaurant. <laughs> Wait, I loved Rubio's only because this is so gross. So I wasn't really allowed to eat like fast food even though i feel like rubio's is like okay, fast that's casual pretentious. <laughs> just kidding my mom just kidding. was I'm it was my kidding. mom it is no, pretentious no, I'm, I'm though kidding. i and because now i'm pretentious and i'm like i'm not eating that <laughs> um no but my favorite part about rubio's was that i was allowed to eat it sometimes because on tuesdays we went to this place called score which was like oh my god it's like you Sylvan. went to score yeah i went to score like for a long ass time that explains like a lot what <laughs> excuse me no 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 like a good like because you're very like you were very academic yeah and that's like what score is yeah it's like sylvan for people who don't know uh but it just like was on computers um so i went to score and on tuesdays they had like a writing class that i would go to and they we were always in a hurry because i'd soccer practice and then we would go to rubio's to eat really quickly and i loved getting the taquitos because i liked the in, the chicken taquito was like it was indistinct what was inside was indistinguishable it was like just mush and i loved it i was like mm, fast food i love it look at this they have really good quesadillas just like really solid um chipotle has great quesadillas if they you do. haven't had it before Ooh, that sounds good oh i'm so sorry i did that twice in your ear wait can i explain my <laughs> rubio's connections to oh yeah, yeah for real well because why i'm curious is I know the fish tank at Rubio's that I used to go to, that we used to go to after church on Sundays. We used, always used to go to Rubio's. They had an eel in the tank. And so that's when I think of eels. I think of that specific tank and that specific eel. And I'm like, but wouldn't, like people have eels in fish tanks. So wouldn't they know how they bang? Maybe they're Are like. Are you talking about a fish tank with one eel? <laughs> but like, I'm sure you can. I don't think it masturbates, dude. <laughs> It already is a giant penis. <laughs> it the the <laughs> eel is the penis. <laughs> no, but I'm like, if you got two eels that are different sexes, can't we see that? I don't know. Maybe they won't meet. I don't know. Uh, I, I don't have the answer to that. I mean, basically, yeah, they everything might be shy. <laughs> like you might not be able to breed them in captivity. Yeah, is maybe they don't breed in captivity, or all the studies that I was reading were concerning like this one eel. In the, well, in the wild, I see. But I didn't see anything that was suggesting that it's like, well, in captivity they do this, but we're trying to figure out this. It was just like no one knows what's going on here. Wow, that's so crazy, right? And so you know, scientists did all these things to try and see the mate. They didn't. The thing that was so wild to me is that no one has seen these adult males, these mature eels, wait, adult males, these mature eels 
in the Sargasso Sea, which is where they supposedly breed. Like, you don't see... Think about how crazy but this how is. Do, how do they know that they breed there? Because that's where the larvae are. I th- they can't find eggs there, but they do find the larvae there. That's... So why are all the larvae there if they've never seen a, a, a mature eel in the same place? How do they get there? Does this mean the movie Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them is a fic- is a non-fiction film? It's a non-fiction film. film. <laughs> never seen that movie. I um, but that's why I was saying they check the stomachs of predators because theoretically you could say, well, maybe they like immediately get eaten and that's like part of the life cycle. Mm. But they check the stomachs and they're nowhere to be found. Maybe they just, like I said, have a really beautiful, loving, secretive way of making love. That's what I hope. I hope they just like spin in circles <laughs> together and then just like out pops like a fun That's how they have sex larvae. in Avatar with their hair. Oh, yeah. That's They're right. like strands. Yeah. Do the thing. Um, but so the International Union for Conservation of Nature who assesses the status of the natural world, they're also having a hard time with eels. And the IUCN counts the small glass eels that arrive in Europe every spring and every day and the everyday, oh, the everyday eel, sorry, is classified as critically endangered, unfortunately. And mm-hmm. people think that it could be disease, dams and locks, fishing pressure, warming climates, any of those, mm-hmm. which I know you never like to hear that. But I will leave us with this like very poetic little caption Ooh. from a Swedish journalist named Patrick Svensson, uh, who has from the book of eels, quote, it's like actually very beautiful. Oh, okay, I'm ready. To the eel, death seemed relative, he writes. He has learned that the timing of an eel's final transformation... Oh, wait. Maybe... Okay, this is also from a New Yorker article. I just realized that part of the quote is also from the actual New Yorker article, not just from this guy's book. So, quote, To the eel, death seemed relative, he writes. He has learned that the timing of an eel's final transformation, the one that brings it to both its own death and the birth of the next generation, seems to be unrelated to time itself. Eels might feel the pull to return to the sea after eight years inland or after nearly 60 or never remaining behind in a sort of suspended animation. The eels that travel together across the ocean might be at the same stage of life, yet decades apart in age. Svensson is captivated by the implications of this. Quote, this is Svensson now. You have to ask yourself, how does a creature like that perceive time? That's beautiful. Right? I was like, that's so, I love... I love that. Should I get an eel tattoo? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I made an eel face. <laughs> they're like kind of scary, but I like love them. I like that they're just like. <laughs> they're like, <laughs> they're like the snakes of the sea. Yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so those are eels. And oh my God. That's actually so interesting. And I'm going to stay up late looking up eel videos. <laughs> Why are glass eels so valuable is what... Oh my gosh, wait, people eat them? I mean, obviously people eat them. Never mind, sorry. This is why I'm... Except I'm a pescatarian. Man, am I not eating fish now? <laughs> Just don't eat eels. I don't eat eel, actually. And I, I don't is eat... Is it good? Um, Have you had it? I've had eel sauce. Um, but I don't eat octopus. Oh. Or squid. I don't know that squid have the same reason as like have the same capacity as octopus, but I just kind of loop them together. But octopus actually have been shown to have a high enough IQ that they develop personalities. And I don't eat animals with personalities. Octopus are so cute. They are. And they're so so smart and they're just like hanging out and doing their cute old thing. So I'm like, nah, dog, I don't need to eat that. Yeah. Okay. Eels. Well, what do you think? Wait, what noise do eels make? Ah. Ah. All right, that's enough. Okay. <laughs> so kind of related to uh, unsolved mysteries, but not really. This is a terrible intro. So okay. it's completely unrelated to eels. Ooh, it works now. We are going to talk about the man that could not be killed. Ooh. So this is the curious case of Michael Malloy. Michael Malloy, that's AKA a good name. The Rasputin of the Bronx. Oh. So I heard about this story 
on another podcast called Criminal. And so you should definitely listen to that because they do a really good job explaining it. And I'm probably going to butcher it. But I just was became so fascinated by this because I'm like, this can't be real. Like, this can't be a real story. And it is. Ooh, I love I love stories like that. So Michael Malloy was a down on his luck drunk during the Great Depression when he was targeted for murder as a part of a life insurance scam. The problem was, Sydney, he wouldn't die. <laughs> Wait, sorry. Do you have more information on this life insurance scam? Yeah, we're going we're, we're gonna, we're gonna to get all oh, of okay, it. Cool, cool, cool. This is the whole story. Got it. So Michael Malloy was the kind of guy that was like permanently unemployed, always having bad luck. Um, one of the many people like that during the Great Depression in, in New York City. So apart from doing the occasional odd job, like being a street sweeper, being kind of doing like shitty jobs, he... <laughs> Sorry, I when you said street sweeper, I obviously, it's not like the street sweepers that we have now that are the big trucks with the things, but I just pictured him as a truck, like going down <laughs> the street with his arms. Just like, like embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> because he did like kind of bad occasional odd jobs. He was an alcoholic and he spent a lot of time drowning his sorrows at local speakeasy with often unsavory characters. So though he had a very unremarkable life, uh, his death would became one of the world's most stubborn cases. <laughs> stubborn. Okay. He would survive five murder attempts <gasps> five <laughs> yes it's crazy um that earned him the various nicknames iron mike mike the durable malloy and the rasputin of the bronx which i the durable malloy <laughs> <laughs> so he was a regular at tony marino's bar where he would pretty much every day drink until he passed out marino 27 was the kind of guy who was uh really down on his luck as well wait he's 27 and he owns a bar yeah but people died at like 30 i'm just kidding i don't know he was successful <laughs> that's impressive i don't know very many 27 year olds that own bars so he he just had a really bad time running this bar because everyone was poor and everyone would always skip out on their tabs and he just was having a bad time so one day in the afternoon, in an afternoon in July, 1932, Malloy was drinking as usual and Marino and his two friends, Francis Pasqua and Daniel Kreisberg, got an idea to make some qu quick cash. They wanted to take out a life insurance policy on Malloy and help himself and help him drink himself to death. That was their plan. Wait, how does he benefit from this? He does not. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> got it so was um, he drunk when he agreed to this no he is not aware this is happening oh okay okay so they just got the idea this guy's always at the bar he just loves to drink until he pa like passes out and so they're like oh that would be so easy to kill him because we, we could, could just, just give him free liquor and he would drink himself to death capitalize on this okay literally so um michael malloy's back known is unknown he didn't really have any family or friends people didn't even know how old he was um, and so they understood that he was someone who, uh, wouldn't be missed and his identity could easily be forged, which oh, I'm not saying that's what they believed. I'm not that's saying so that about sad, him. though. Would you rather be killed because people think that no one will miss you or like not be killed? Like, wait, that's a dumb, would you rather, <laughs> would you rather I would be, be killed? So it doesn't matter. I would be dead anyways. Okay, no, but like you care. <laughs> Wait, what's the other I one? Don't we, know. Didn't get there. I didn't, okay. we didn't get that far. I'm, the point is, that's sad. I'm so, sorry, man. This Marino, we actually shouldn't congratulate him for being a bar owner at 27 because he sucks. He, <laughs> he had already. I know a lot of wealthy people who are like young and wealthy and suck. I feel like it's maybe a prerequisite. I Not know for a lot everyone. Of but it's like. I don't know. I don't want to get into that. I don't want to, I don't want to talk shit about the young millionaires that are listening to this podcast, you know, and we maybe with loan investment <laughs> <laughs> opportunity. I'm just kidding. So Marino sucks. 
He had already pulled a similar con a year earlier when he killed a homeless woman and collected $2,000 on a life insurance policy. What? Yeah. Wait, what? But he killed her. How does, huh? Do he I not He took out a life insurance policy on, on her. her? Yeah. You can just take it on, like, I could take it on life insurance policy on you. I think back then, since it was like the 30s, they were like, oh, come down here and take get your life insurance. <laughs> You're going to go back. Eh? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, they kind of tricked the people. We're going to get into that. So of how they tricked the life insurance policy to believe. Got to it, get a policy it. on Malloy. Malloy obviously seemed like a really easy target for this. And what they called the murder trust, which are these guys in the bar who were Marino, Creesberg, and Pasqua, and another bartender, Red Murphy. Petty crim- Oh my God, there's actually way more than I believed. We're how much life insurance policy? Like how much was this? Are they all just going to come out with like a hundred bucks each? In the criminal episode, they do not talk about these other people. Can I just read you their names? Because it's so yeah. funny. So we have Marino, the bar owner. Chrisberg, his friend. Pasqua, his friend. We have bartender Red Murphy, petty criminals John McNally, Edward Tinier Smith, and tough Tony Bastoni. <laughs> <laughs> tough Tony Bastoni. <laughs> he sounds like a coward to me. Hey. Don't murder people. Or we'll and think Joseph you're... Magnaloni. So we have tough Tony Bastoni and Joseph <laughs> Magnaloni. <laughs> and Murphy's job which is the bartender, would be to identify Malloy as his next of kin. Um, They would invent an ego for uh, Malloy as Nicholas Mellory, um, who was this, his next of kin. So they made a fake name for him and said that the, it was the, he was the bartender's next of kin. They were cousins. Do you understand that? No. Wait, so this fake person does or doesn't exist? This fake person doesn't exist, but they, to trick the life insurance people, they made up a fake identity for him that he was related to the bartender. Wait, but I thought they were trying to take the life insurance policy out on... um, Yeah, they were. So So basically, they made a fake identity for Malloy, and they took out a life insurance policy on this fake identity... Because Malloy doesn't have any relations. So they would be oh. like, who is this random guy that you're taking a life insurance policy on? Got it. That's how they were able to do it. Got it. So they also made three other life insurance policy. So if each, so they just took a, like a bunch of different life insurance policies. Cause they just wanted to like get as much money out of this death that they could, because there's obviously so many people that they had to pay out. Cause there was like 10 people involved. Um, so if the plan was successful, each member of the trust would receive a share of $3,500, which is about 65,000 a day, which like, that's not enough for me no. to kill somebody. <laughs> I'm just saying that's not enough. I mean, how much was it in a couple episodes ago? How much was it to murder someone? Like 15,000? It, it was like 15,000. It was 50 grand if you wanted them to like really mess with them. I first. mean, 65,000, that's you're getting paid that. I guess maybe I'm just not a murderer at heart. So basically to trick him into signing the life insurance policies because he had to agree to do them. Like, you can't just take out an insurance policy and not tell the person you're taking out an insurance policy on them. Mm-hmm. Um, all they had to do was Marino, the bar owner, offered Malloy a free limitless bar tab. And he did it. Wait. Oh, it's really is, sad. I, this does make me sad. And if he's a loner and he thinks all these guys are becoming his friend. And know, he's just in a place where he's like. Well, he kind of gets their, his revenge on them. Okay, good, good, good. So. Obviously, now that they have an insurance policy signed, they're like, great, we're just going to kill him. Easy. So um, he obviously like wasn't in good health because he drank himself to unconsciousness every day. So they're like, oh, it'll be easy to drink himself to death. But after three days of drinking nonstop, he was still fine. Like he was just nothing yeah. was different. Because okay. like literally like I know I have a friend who's friend died of alcohol poisoning like he drank like he was at a party and he just drank oh way gosh. too much that's horrible. like it can happen so it's like how totally. did this guy drink just, for three days straight and not yeah um so because of that marino started spiking his drinks 
with more alcohol? No, or? with like poison. So they <gasps> put um, they put antifreeze, turpentine, finally horse liniment with rat poison all together. Well, they they like started. Individual. It was just like let's start with this, and then that didn't really work. So let's start with this. So they just kept like, and he kept being fine. Oh my gosh. Um, Others say that he also was given shots of wood alcohol, which actually I talked about a few episodes ago, which is um, kind of like it's like the bad version of bootlegged liquor. And that's Mm -hmm. what the U.S. government like gave to people knowingly to like stop with to discourage bootlegging. Um, But. Wood alcohol is so strong that even a small amount can cause blindness. Oh my! And he didn't. But he was go just blind. taking He's shots totally of it. He's just like throwing it. What back. is happening with this man? Okay. Okay. So uh, Marino waited until Malloy was drunk from shots of whiskey before making the switch to a hundred percent pure wood alcohol. <gasps> um, How do you even get that from bootleggers? Because they distill it into bootlegged whiskey. Wait, what year is this? Nineteen thirty-two. Oh, okay. Wait, the prohibition's over. That's what I'm confused about. They said this is a speakeasy. Maybe speakeasies were still around. I didn't research this. That's fine. Just keep going. But every single thing I said says that he owned a speakeasy. Okay. Okay. Just saying. Maybe he owned a speakeasy and this is just taking place somewhere else. (laughs) This is a random detail. No, maybe he owned a speakeasy like the trendy ones in like Los Feliz. Maybe he started (laughs) the trend. (laughs) Or it's like, I want to go through a phone booth. Hey, it's Kate. This is a quick correction after the fact. Prohibition ended in 1933, so we were right in saying that uh, this bar was a speakeasy, but we were wrong in saying that Prohibition ended. Just wanted to clarify so we don't look like total idiots. I mean, Sydney was fine, but I was the authority on this. Um, But, uh, you know, dates are hard, so uh, uh, sorry. Bye. He's drinking all his wood alcohol and he's having a great time. And then one night he finally fell unconscious to the floor. And he his breathing was really weird. And they're like, fuck yeah, like we got him. We got him, boys. But then the breathing became snores. And they just realized he was like super passed out. Um, and then he eventually woke up and asked for more alcohol. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> Is this guy eating during this? What's happening? I'm so, so yeah, actually that related. So they're like, fuck, this is not working. So they're like, okay, like what else can we do? So, um, he started to be giving oysters that were marinated in, uh, denatured alcohol with this methylate spirits for a couple of days. Also wood alcohol. Um, <laughs> So they're giving him also, these what alcohol? They're giving him these oysters that are and he's like, "Oh my god, I'm like living in luxury. I'm getting oysters, I'm getting free alcohol." And, and then he's scarfing down the oysters with shots of wood alcohol. Like he's drowning <laughs> them down. So again, they're waiting days for him to die and he just kept he would just like burp and keep on drinking. So then they decided, "Okay, we got to get crazier with food we're giving him so apparently his favorite meal that he would prepare himself at the bar was he would open a can of sardines and put them between two pieces of bread so they uh were like oh my god i know you love this sandwich i just happened to prepare this for you so in the sandwich sydney they seasoned it with broken glass what (laughs) what the (laughs) <laughs> broken glass carpet tacks and notice? finally ground shavings from the tin can of the sardines <laughs> wouldn't he notice that is how my question are, how dr- i you, think he's really drunk i don't care how drunk you are you wouldn't notice that <laughs> you wouldn't notice there's no way but i think they ground it up fine enough that like that he would eat it and it would tear up his insides Do you know what I mean? It's not like you're like biting onto glass. It's like, you know how fiberglass is really bad for you because it's so fine. Yeah. Um, But he ate the sandwiches. But he was fine. He was fine. He ate the sandwiches and asked for another one. Stop. So they're with all these insurance premiums that they're having to pay. You have to pay for the policy. And using all of these industrial alcohols day after day after day. They're like, we're running out of money. (laughs) Now, 
it's winter time in New York City. And so they were like, all right, we're not going to poison him or like something. He has amazing intestines because like he's fine. So they're like, okay, like what's another way to kill someone? Because the thing is they they can't kill him. He has to, it has to look accidental. Mm -hmm. Totally. Otherwise no life insurance, baby. So they're like, all right, like easy. We'll just get him super drunk, make him pass out and then take him to a park. And, like, leave him to, like, suffer in the winter. So they're, like, great. So they took him to a park a half mile away from the speakeasy. They dumped him on the park bench, ripped off his clothes, and drenched him in gallons of water. Oh, my god! Because gosh. they thought he would succumb to hypothermia. Who are these people? They're insane people. They're evil. Um. So the next day, <laughs> um, they're all, like... They're all like waiting for news of like oh, some drunkard found dead in the park. Um, Malloy walks back into the bar and is like, guys, I had a weird night. <laughs> I think I drank too much because I ended up in the park naked <laughs> and really cold. <laughs> so by now, there has been four attempts on his life. We have the wood alcohol. We have the sandwich. What was the other one? We have the park, I guess the two different types of alcohol to kill him. So now they're like, all right, we got to, we got to take care of this. Like, let's, let's get a little more uh, dubious about, it. about this. So they enlisted a cab driver named Hershey Green to just run him over. Who is naming these people? <laughs> Hershey Green? That's like a type of diarrhea. <laughs> Norman Rockwell was naming them. <laughs> So they enlisted this cab driver, Hershey Green, to run him over. And so um, they got him drunk. He was passed out. They put him in the middle of the street. (laughs) And um, as the car is barreling down the road, he happens to come to his senses and jump out of the way. So after two dodges, the cab (laughs) finally struck him and then backed (gasps) over him. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) um wait so was the at that point was the cab driver getting a cut too yeah so yeah he wasn't on it so how much i want to know like at this point have they spent 30 like how much money have they spent doing this i know you said they were running out of money but like would they have already spent their earnings quote, well quote? they i don't think so okay because like that was like two thousand dollars was like a ton of money back then okay um oh that's right i forgot this isn't recent so uh they they were like oh my god we totally got him he got ran over by a cab four times like he's dead and so um they were like great like let's just like wait for news of like like a sad drunk person got ran over so a week later they uh kept calling morgues and hospitals and were like trying to find out about if they've gotten a guy in that had died and so but there was no signs of him and no newspapers had ever written that there was a guy that died looking for signs of life looking for signs every night (laughs) as arcade fire so astutely put it as arcade fire says so a few days later um malloy comes into the speakeasy oh my gosh he's limping and he's like, guys, I need something to drink. I've had a rough few days. <laughs> How is he not suffering from like internal bleeding? He, he is. So um, <laughs> he is like, yeah, it was so weird. I woke up and I was in a hospital. And apparently these cops were like, you were found in a gutter and we brought you to the hospital and you have a fractured skull, a fractured <laughs> shoulder and a really bad concussion. And he was like, I just can't believe I got that drunk. Like, that's crazy. I should probably watch out for myself. And they were like, yeah, man. (laughs) Here's some wood alcohol. Oh, my gosh. So uh, by February, the insurance premium was due. And so they were like, oh, my God, we have to kill this man. (laughs) Like, this is insane. So they were like, let's. So someone had heard about this plan and they're like, dude, just hire a hitman. Like, this is ridiculous. Like, I'm annoyed of hearing you complain about trying to kill this guy. But they're like, I don't know. That's like, they'll find out that we hired a hitman and too risky. So, um, 
they were like, let's just try the cab thing again. Like, I feel like we just hit him the wrong way. So they hired another let's cab guy. Let's just try the cab thing again. <laughs> oh my gosh. So um, he got hit by another cab and he survived it again. How? So on February 21st, uh, they had him, one of the guys was like, guys, why didn't we think about just like putting him in, let's rent an apartment for him. Let's put a like loose gas pipe in there and just like when he passes out, he'll just breathe in the gas and die. And they're like, great. And it was a great idea because that's ultimately what killed him. So they rented a tenement room. They put a rubber tube from a gas light into his mouth, wrapped a towel tightly around his face and then poisoned him with carbon monoxide. So sad. So um, they then uh, hired another friend um, who was a uh, doctor to forge a death certificate um, in the name that they had the insurance policy under. How do these horrible people have so many friends to call in favors with? I guess that's the city. You got city rats. <laughs> I guess people were really desperate. Like people were super poor and like having a really bad time. It's really sad. I mean, it's super sad, but I just, I don't know. So... They only received $800 because they were like total or per person from one of the insurance policies because they took out three or four, I believe. And then everything started to fall apart when they tried to collect insurance money from the Prudential Life Insurance Company because their insurance agents were like, we want to see the bodies. So this guy died, what was it, on February 21st. On the 22nd, he was buried. And on the 23rd, they were like, we want our money. And they're like, I don't know. It's a little fast guys. Like you're like apparently really close cousin died and like you're cashing in. Just like, come on dudes. Like you went through all this. You don't want to practice a little acting to get right? ahead of this. I know. So they were like, I don't know. I feel like we should see the body. And, um, the insurance company was like, you guys are sketchy. I'm calling the cops. And so, uh, in May his body was exhumed and um, the phony death certificate said he died from pheno- pneumonia. <laughs> I was going to say pneumonia because that's how it looks. <laughs> pneumonia. But um, then they ordered an autopsy and it was proved that he died from. Why didn't they just make it seem like a suicide? Because I don't think you can get. Well, people. Have you watched House of Cards? No. Oh, well, no, I I've read. I feel like I've seen it. That, like, you can die of carbon monoxide poisoning. I mean, isn't that why people have carbon monoxide, like, alarms in their yeah. house? Yeah. Yeah. But this was, like, he lived in a greasy tenement in the 30s. No, I get that. But I'm saying I'm sure carbon monoxide poisoning, like, either accidental or on purpose was a thing at the time. Yeah. I'm confused why you just, like, why wouldn't you just say that? I don't know. I think maybe because pneumonia is a lot more like common like it's like and i think i think his his body like there's like it's kind of sad there's like pictures of him and he looks like really fucked up like he had been (laughs) he had gotten run over by a cab six times you don't say (laughs) then our friend hershey green the cab driver was like oh my god way too many people are in on this deal and i'm not gonna get shit and my cab is fucked up like <laughs> the guy. Oh my gosh. So he um was like, I'm gonna tell the police. Like I'm annoyed. So he talked to the police and was like, You should look into Marino. Like this guy's sketchy. And so they discovered that a homeless woman had died in his speakeasy under suspicious circum suspicious circumstances and that he was a beneficiary of a life insurance policy under her so they're like okay like this is the dots are connecting then more drama happened with the murder crew and tough tony bastoni was shot dead <gasps> and joseph magnaloni <laughs> was charged with this murder <laughs> joseph magnaloni killing tough tony Baloni. what's so, tony's last name tony buffoni Tony Bastoni. <laughs> I was joking and that was so close. Um, so Do you think he was a Bastoner? Hey. 
that ganja. (laughs) (laughs) So the thing was about our little friends in this group was that they were openly talking about this scheme in their bar with a bunch of other people. And so the police, all the police had to do was like talk to people that were at the bar and they're like, oh yeah, they've been talking about this for a long time. (laughs) It finally happened. Wow. Good for them. Um, So they immediately had enough evidence and enough testimony to charge all of these people. So um, at first, uh, the murder trust, Frank Pasqua, Tony Marino, Daniel Kreisbark, and Joseph Murphy um, all tried to plead insanity. And then that didn't work because they were like, you've tried a lot and it was not random. They were like, he did it. No, he did it. No, he did it. And then that didn't work. Um, and so in June and July of 1934, they were all executed in old Sparky, the electric chair at Sing Sing prison. Wow. They move fast. And Harry Green was the only member of the murder trust to escape execution and be sent to prison. Um, so while Michael Maloney was not only well known for being the most stubborn murder victim, his case was the first to be investigated by the New York medical examiner's office. And that is the story. I'm like, I'm taking, this is a lot to process because I feel like it was a journey where like, I don't know if you said in the beginning where I just like was so like astounded that he was a stubborn murder victim that I didn't realize that he dies at the end. So I'm like, ha 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 ha, hilarious. And then you're like, and then he died. And I was like, oh my gosh, these people are evil. This is horrible. Yeah. And then everybody died from electric chair. Everyone died. You never like to hear about that. And then, yeah, I don't know. It reminds me, I mean, I feel like the Coen brothers should make this into a movie because it, like, is so their oh, story, yeah. which is, like, the minute you in- you invite evil into your life, it's going to destroy you and everyone around you. It feels so burn after reading to yeah. me. Yeah. Great movie. I've actually never seen it. And one of my professors <gasps> wrote it. Oh, my gosh, Kate. <laughs> it's literally one of, like, it's in my top 20 for sure. I don't know why I've never, I think I love the Coen brothers so goddamn much that, like, there's only, I've, that's the only one I haven't, wait, they have that. And then they have another one that I haven't seen. Maybe that's the only one. That's the only one I haven't seen. And I'm like, I can't watch it. Cause I, cause I like, there, I, there's one left for me to see. You know what I mean? Oh, it's like, so I want to see it, though. but the I should watch it. Performances are incredible. Everything about it. I, it's, I one just of watched my... a serious man. Have you ever seen no, it? No, I haven't. Oh my God, Sydney, you have to, you're going to fucking love it. A serious man. I'm going to write that down It's right really... Now. I'll forget. It's really funny. It's like kind of... It actually has a vibe of this. It's not so death-related, but it's just like, wow, that's like very unfortunate. I have a list called Movies I Want to Watch. A Serious Man. Um, it's about a Jewish professor in 1960s uh, Milwaukee who just has a really bad time. <laughs> he just like who everything bad, bad happens to him. Okay. It's really good. I just added it to my watch list. Um, so anyways, yeah, that's, that's all I got for you. It was a lot. Wow. Thank you. Thank you for that. You're I don't welcome. know. That's, I feel like, I mean, we've talked about like murder a little bit on this podcast and I feel like it's one of those things that seems so distant Mm -hmm. like luckily neither of us have had to deal with the repercussions of murder or anything like that but I just like wow I cannot you know I'm totally an empath and I also every time I say that I feel like it's like I'm telling people that I like have a superpower or some shit (laughs) but no it's actually like debilitating so I don't count your lucky stars um (laughs) no but I just, I I feel like I can relate to a lot of people and I have an easy time being like, okay, like I don't agree with it, but I can see where you're coming from with this. But like with people who murder other people, I just like, it's so far beyond my comprehension of like, what would drive someone to do that? It feels like even like, I don't know if you've ever cut yourself with a knife before. I had this streak going where I like literally cut myself with like three different knives in three months, like three in three consecutive months by complete accident. Oh God. Um, the worst one was I was cleaning like our big knife and it had been left out overnight. And so it was like, the food was crusty on it. And I was like, Oh shit, I have to like really scrub this off. And I slipped and just ended up cutting my, it was horrible. But like that feeling of cutting flesh 
it's like unreal. It's almost like if you get in a car accident and you actually hit something and it's like this very bizarre feeling of like, oh, I hit and destroyed this thing. And yeah. like, it's weird. And I just, I don't know. I'm like so confused. I just don't get it. I just, yeah, I, I am really not an angry person. I've kind of re- recently realized that, that I am so rarely angry. Like mm. I take a lot of it into sadness like yes. that's usually my reaction. If someone upsets me, it's, I'm not like me. I'm just like, why dude? Like, I'm just, yeah. I, I get frustrated, but it's like more sadness, not anger. And so I literally cannot comprehend that you would get mad enough to kill someone. Like I have never, ever, ever even thought about it. Like being like, I want to kill you. I've never thought about like, I mean, let's be clear. I've never thought about murdering anybody, but I can wrap my head around somebody who like, you're so mad and you throw something and accidentally kill someone or something, you know, like an accident, but like this, like, I I'm so mad. I want to kill X person or like premeditating on that. I just don't, I don't know. I don't understand. Yeah. I don't, I, that's why when I was saying, it's like, oh my gosh, like $65,000 is not enough for me to kill somebody. And I was thinking like, well, how much would be enough for me to kill somebody? And I don't think there's a number. I don't, I do not think I could, especially because let's just say I could, I am the type of person that I would end up probably like diving into insanity afterwards because I would feel so horrible and could not go on. Yeah. It's, it's so nuts. I really couldn't do it. And I, yeah, I could say a lot. I, it's so weird. Cause I'm like, so, I am obsessed with true crime. Yeah. I just like love listening to it. And I think it's so interesting, but I'm, I, I think cause it's so far removed from anything. I think like, you know what I mean? It's like so alien to me that yeah. I'm like, how does this work? And I have never gotten close. I've like never gotten close to understanding. I think the psychology behind it is, is what's fascinating to me. I, we've talked about this before. I removed myself from like my interest of true crime, but it is just, I don't know. It's fascinating. And yeah. on the subject of like getting angry, I don't think I get angry either, but something that I realized Alex could attest something that I realized more recently and so I do, it, it always comes from, from a place of sadness for me, but when I am in a, a situation where I am maybe coming off as angry or extremely frustrated, I feel like I get like, you know how they say like cats or animals that feel threatened, get really big. I totally do that. Wait, I kind of do that. It happened to me yesterday. I got really mad at someone. Yeah. I, I totally do that where it's just like, I don't feel this way, but like my fight or flight response is just like big, like big movements, big, like loud and like all of this. And then like in my core, I'm like really sad, but that my immediate reaction is just like huge. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get that. Isn't that interesting? I guess I shouldn't say I never get angry. I've gotten angry. I think like, like where I can remember, I was like, that was anger is like three times. And one of them was yesterday. This guy made me so mad in class. I was so mad. And I, yeah, I, f- I felt like a cat where I was yeah. just like, how oh, dare you speak yeah. to me that way? You can like feel your yeah. body. That's funny. I, I've gotten mad, like angry, angry. I think actually three times. Yeah. Twice was when I found out I was cheated on, which I feel like is understandable. It's fair. But it was interesting because I, I remember in those times, it was probably the most intense times for me. And I was like blind with rage. Like I remember, like it was like, I was seeing like white and was just like not being rational and was just like wanted to destroy things. And I was just like, ah, one of the times I can laugh about it now. But so <laughs> sorry. The guy, like no, it's funny. It's like crazy. So the guy who cheated on me the first time, um, he, I found out he cheated on me. I confronted him about it. We were at my parents' house and we went outside and I confronted him and he started puking on my parents' lawn. We've I don't been know. There. I don't, yeah, actually the same I've, spot I've, you did. I've puked on Sydney's parents' lawn. 
<laughs> yeah. He didn't make the ramp. He just threw though, up. But he just threw up. And I don't know if it's because he was like so he like had been caught or if he felt yeah, so he, bad. Like, like I don't know panic attack what it was, but he just started puking and I was just like yelling at him. And I remember it's so weird. I remember this small, small voice in the back of my head being like, Oh, he's puking. Like, should I stop yelling at him? And I just but the other part of me was just that like blind with rage and I was just screaming. And yeah, it's one of the times I was angry. <laughs> I feel like what I guess this is literally a trigger. That's like what this is. I say triggered all the time, but like this is actually a trigger is when I'm, I don't mean to get too deep on this podcast. I love my dad so much. I'm just going to say that. Yeah. I love him. He's the best. But there are times in my childhood, because just because you're really like susceptible when you're a kid. Totally. And like really fragile. There are times in my childhood where my dad would would talk to me in a way where it was like he was the keeper of knowledge and I was so ignorant and had no idea what I was talking about. And it would make me so angry. That's like one of the moments I remember in my childhood where I was like, like I, like I did the cat thing, you know? And the other two memories I have of being angry are like, not even like a big deal, but it's when men have talked to me that way. And like, sometimes they're like, like one of them was one of my friends. We were talking about the beat generation and he was like, on the road is like so fucked up and like I can't believe you believe that and like say that you're a feminist and I was like <laughs> I just like <laughs> went I'm gonna fight you off on this yeah. guy because like it is but it's like I, I'm not even gonna explain it but yeah. I and he was like acting so snarky and like I was an idiot and like I literally had a quote from on the road tattooed on me like not that I think it's like an outstanding work of feminism but like I think it's like a really nuanced it's you know what I mean it's yeah. just like well, he was it's, talking it's a work me. that clearly touched you and means something. yeah and I just like and he was talking to me in that tone I was like you have no idea what you're talking about you know what I mean yeah and yesterday this guy just long story short sorry I'm like heated about it he I was giving him he was a writer and I'm the producer in this class that I'm in and I was giving him notes about a script and I was like telling him, I was like, you know, like, I just think the character needs a lot more dimension. And I was giving him examples of like how he could fix it. And he was like, so you're telling me, well, I, and I also, the script is supposed to be 10 pages and it's 14 pages. And I'm like, it has to be 10 pages. There's no, like, there's no option. That's like how long it has to be. Cause it's a TV show oh, okay. and that's how TV works. Yeah. You just can't write more than and then the amount the time. Yeah. And so I was like, we have to cut it down. And like this character, we have to develop this character more. And he was like, I'm sorry. I just have to say, Kate, you're telling me that I have to make this character better and also cut down the script. Like you're literally backing me into a corner. How is that even possible? And I was so mad because I was like, do I have to describe to you what quality over quantity <laughs> means? <laughs> did you say that to him? I hope you did. I, did. <laughs> I literally did. I was like, just throwing that out there. And like, he was acting like I was literally asking him to like skin his dog in front of me. I was like, what the fuck? I mean, it made me, I was so angry. Anyways, I just wanted to vent to you about that. No, well, that's interesting that I feel like yours all have a theme because mine definitely is like betrayal. I yeah. get extremely angry at betrayal, which is because I feel like one of my core like tenets of life yeah. is I'm an extremely loyal person. You and are, so I feel yeah. like it's just something that like doesn't make sense to me. And it's frustrating when it's like, I am so loyal to you and like, you're just completely being careless. Yeah. But I don't know. I'd be curious if people who are listening, like if there's a pattern to your anger as well. I don't yeah. know. It's fascinating. Yeah. I, I guess it really has to tap into something like meaningful to you like a tenant of like your identity yeah so like because like I I don't know I I don't want to say I feel like I'm a very smart person but like you are smart I'll vouch for that I maybe it's not even that it's just like I not to be a like pull a feminist car but like I just feel like a lot of my life I've been treated like I don't know what I'm talking about because I'm like a little girl preach and it makes me really mad. Like when someone like directly says that to me, I'm like, you don't understand like how much I try to learn. <laughs> like, be oh, yeah. To, like, like, shut up. I guess then I've, there's been other times that I've been angry, but I don't do anything about it because yeah. I remember there was this meeting in one of my earlier on in my career and 
I was the only person in the meeting who knew about Twitch or -hmm. had streamed on Twitch or had any knowledge. And I was there as like the strategist, like I was there to set strategy, right? Mm -hmm. It was a meeting with all men, which like, okay, that happens, whatever. But they, and the thing was they consciously, like they're cool dudes. Like I think it's something that sometimes people don't even realize that they're doing, but someone asked a question about Twitch and I gave my professional opinion, was like, from my experience, da, 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 this is the direction we should go. And the guy questioned every other guy in the room. And when I said my my thing, he was like, oh, yeah, like, I don't know. That doesn't sound right. Questioned every other guy in the room. And one guy ec- literally, ec- like, regurgitated what I said. And he was like, oh, yeah, we're doing that. And I was like, <laughs> Are, what? And Aww. that happened. That it literally... <laughs> happens all it the happens time. all the time it's such a bummer so i get because i do i get angry about that i cried about it a couple of weeks ago <laughs> yeah i it makes usually it makes me sad it's because it's usually not so direct as someone saying like that to me but yeah. it happens to me all the time like in the same writer's room caleb my boyfriend's in it with me and like i will give a note and then they'll like freak out and like say that I don't know what I'm talking about. And then Caleb will literally get the same exact note. And they're like, oh my God, that totally makes sense, Caleb. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, <sighs> they're I'll say things about things. I want to keep it vague, but I'll say things about things that I know. And no one will listen until uh, one of the, like the men on my team are like, oh no, that's a good idea. We should do that. And they're like, oh yeah, it is a good idea, isn't it? And it's like, <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't under What? I don't understand. I do not understand, should, sir. Should that be our like sub, our like tagline? Yeah, like I do not I do understand. understand. <laughs> we make Shut shirts someday. Yeah. Shut up, not, keep going. On the back it says, "I do, I do not, not understand. understand." And then we have another one that says, "Not to be pretentious, <laughs> but <laughs> I feel like I want like a cross stitch." Of that. <laughs> yeah, not to be pretentious. Well, on that note, uh, thanks so much for listening. Don't forget new episodes every Friday. Um, and then we have an Instagram account now. Shut up. Keep going. All one word. Check it out. We have image guides to the episodes. And then you can be reminded when it's up and be like, man, I should listen to that and tell my friends. Great. It's good. Have a good one. See you next time. Bye. Bye.